0: the opportunity who would you choose as i don't know dynasty i mean six titles is obviously a dynasty if the golden state warriors win this year which they're expected to do it'll be what four in a five-year period should have been five except for 2016 but i digress but if you were choosing would you take jordan's bulls of the 1990s scotty pippen Bill Cartwright, Luke Longley, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman, would you take, and they weren't all on the same team, but remember they did take home six titles, and I believe it was in a seven-year time span between when Jordan took off the one year to play baseball. But would you take the 90s, let's say, the 90s Bulls versus the current version of the Golden State Warriors as the best team of all time? Now, there are going to be some people that would chime in there about any number of Boston Celtics teams when they were winning nine championships in 11 years, when Red Auerbach was coach, when Bill Russell was the center, and all the other guys that are in the Hall of Fame. People are going to talk about that for sure. People are going to talk about the 80s Lakers, and I was part of, in a very small way, but part of the 80s Lakers in regard of, they won five championships in the 80s, and I am of this belief to to this day with a couple of things go their way or don't go their way, they could have won 8 out of 10 in the 80s, and I'll explain that. But as I welcome you and and say hello, as you welcome you into episode number 307 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you as always. Chris and I were talking about this via texting over the week, and we thought this would be a perfect forum to talk about this. I am biased, obviously, and uh, I think you guys know where I'll go on this, but my God, this this current version of the Golden State Warriors with that fearless fivesome they've got, um, if there was any way, shape, or form that they could keep this team together, I don't see how with the the numbers that they're talking about. You know, Boogie Cousins is playing on a only a $10 million contract this year, and he's expecting to be back where he thinks he belongs, which is in the range of $30 million a season. Golden State has acknowledged that Boogie will be here for one year. We can't afford him past this one year unless he takes the ultimate hometown discount. But at the beginning, or the, excuse me, at the end of this year, you've got, of the four, of the five starters right now, only one of them is under contract for next season. Everybody else is potentially a free agent at the end of the year. Now, Durant would have to waive his player option, but that's a near, that's this, He's gone. that's a f- formality. He's halfway to New York as it is. But think about it. And if you had that proverbial gun to your head to make a choice, the 90s Bulls or the current version of the Golden State Warriors?
1: Well, I think most people are going to say the Michael Jordan Bulls, and I would too. But I want to make this clear. If we look at this as an overall team, that might change the answer because... the only reason I'm taking the Jordan Bulls is because of Michael Jordan, literally the only reason that is the only one possible. So if, so if I can put it two other ways. Number one, if you take away Michael Jordan and Steph Curry, I'll take the Golden State Warriors, uh, even, even just for the personnel, but also because if you factor in that, you know, modern nutrition and all that other stuff, too. Also, if you trade Michael Jordan for Steph Curry and keep the team the same, I just take whichever team Michael Jordan's on. So that's the key there. If you take away Jordan, then I'll take away uh, then I'll take the other side every time. But Michael Jordan was just such a special player. Uh you know, I don't know if we'll ever see magic, you know. Nice. <laughs> no, offen- no offense to Magic Johnson, but I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see magic like Michael Jordan was, 6 0 in the finals and just a really, really unique talent. I wish he would have Stayed there. Do you think they would have won eight in a row if he would have stayed there in 94 and 95?
0: Uh, oh, I don't think there was any stopping them. And if you think about it, the year that he was playing baseball, Scottie Pippen kind of took over things and Scotty got him into the second or third round of the NBA playoffs. They didn't make the finals that year or the two years they missed. Sorry. They won six out of eight years. Excuse me. The two years that the one year Jordan was out of baseball and then he makes the comeback was the two years that the Houston Rockets won there with Hakeem Olajuwon and the boys. So Jordan wins three. They missed two years. Jordan wins the final three. So that's how they did it. But uh, look at these teams, though. All right. You've got today's Golden State Warriors, Curry, Thompson, Cousins, Durant, and Green. I mean, that is an unbelievably talented starting five. And you guys got guys like Iguodala and others coming off the bench. So they are loaded. The Jordan Pippen team, they won three of their championships with Jordan Pippen, Cartwright at center. Paxson and Horace Grant at power forward then they won the three other ones later with Jordan Pippen Luke Longley at center with BJ Armstrong at point guard and Dennis Rodman at power forward so two very talented teams and I think obviously I'm biased because I was around the ball I mean I'm not sitting there name dropping but I was in the radio business so I had a lot of access to the Chicago Bulls and the NBA in general went to the all-star game, went to the finals. So every year that I was in the radio business, Michael Jordan seemingly was in the finals. So, you know, I saw him in a lot of different places. Um, Yes. Am I biased toward Jordan? And it's, it's, it's solely because of Jordan. He is the difference maker. We have always, or I have always, and I think Chris has probably just played along because he's a nice guy and lets me do my thing. But I have always said on this program that if you put LeBron James on the New York or the New Jersey or the Brooklyn Nets, they would be in the playoffs and maybe make a deep run. Well, I think we can even take it further with Jordan. The only difference is obviously Scottie Pippen was a hell of a contribution. And I think they got even better on the defensive end when Dennis Rodman came along. And I think that might be the real difference between these two teams is yes, each team has their superstars, but I think that the Bulls' ability to play a little bit of defense is probably the difference. If they were somehow, we were able to transform, let's put the the Warriors in the year 2000, move them back to 2000, move the Bulls up to 2000, and let them play a game or let them play a best of seven, I think the winner ends up winning in seven. I really do. And the slight difference may be that Jordan's Bulls, I think, were better defensively than this current version of the Golden State Warriors. And part of that is the rules of the game. I get that. And, uh, and also part of the game is that teams have opened up a lot more and used the three-point line a lot but a lot more. They shoot it with more frequency. I don't know if they're at better at percentage-wise of, of scoring the basketball that way, but the game of basketball has opened up a lot to allow more scoring. But I think if you had a seven game series in each of these two dynasties primes, the difference might be Jordan's Bulls being able to play a little bit of defense.
1: Well, it was funny this week because this was on SportsCenter and this is a bit of a tease for our Freeform Friday coming up later on in the week here. But SportsCenter at SportsCenter on Twitter had a great video today and they asked Michael Jordan the other day, uh, is it harder to score 10 straight triple doubles or 30 points in 30 straight games and he said six championships by all means (laughs) (laughs) and uh, which was predictable but still a good answer and uh yeah so good old Michael there he has 6-0 in the finals and that's uh that's something that LeBron can't even come close to claiming LeBron has lost plenty of finals he always gets the finals But he often loses the finals. So Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time. It's really sad to me that he's not number one on scoring. I wish he wouldn't have done the baseball thing. I wish blah, 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 all this other stuff. I wish he would have just kept going. And it's just really, really too bad. But yeah, he's he's the man all the way. And I think most people know that whoever got to see him play.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think it would be fun to watch, to watch the current day Golden State Warriors go up against Jordan's Bulls let's have it let's put let's even break it down this this way the 96 bulls 72 and 10 the 2016 golden state warriors 73 and 9 um i think uh i think i'd spring for tickets to see something like that um for damn sure um a lot of things to talk about on this 307th episode of unscripted with mike and chris we thank you for joining us and We've talked in the previous edition of the program, we talked a little National Football League, and there's still a couple other things to talk about in the league. Um, Antonio Brown, earlier this week, officially asked the Pittsburgh Steelers for a trade. Rumor is that the Steelers will be asking for a first-rounder. I think that's a bit much. For a 30-year-old wide receiver who has a big number, big contract number, They'll, they may get it. Somebody may be desperate enough to uh, to acquire an Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown would love it to be the San Francisco 49ers, obviously. But I think there's some concerns, my friend, about acquiring this guy after what he's pulled in Pittsburgh. And I also have a second question then, as I pose this to you and ask for your opinion. have What's happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers? And I ask this because, you know, for years, they have been the model of stability. Never a problem in Pittsburgh. Head coach is the same until that coach wants to quit. Everybody, you know, you never hear a bitch gripe complaint anything out of Pittsburgh. Well, in the last year, Le'Veon Bell, we all know, held out for the full season. Ben Roethlisberger just doesn't look like he's been happy for years in Pittsburgh, always bitching about something, whether it was the old offensive coordinator Todd Haley or whether it was his relationship with Mike Tomlin or whether it was his relationship with Antonio Brown or whatever it was. But Roethlisberger doesn't look happy. And we know, obviously, that Antonio Brown um, was pissed off Steelers brass so much that he was held out of Game 17 of the NFL season, which if they had won, they would have qualified for the playoffs. They didn't. And they didn't. So um, Steelers falling apart, but Antonio Brown worth a number one. And do you think there's any validity to his wanting to go to San Francisco? And would San Francisco feel that that would be a piece to their puzzle moving forward? Now they get Garoppolo back next year, but would that be a piece of their puzzle moving forward in 2019?
1: Yeah, it really feels like a foregone conclusion that that's where Antonio Brown is going to go. And I absolutely think that there will be numerous teams happy to give a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. I know that we have to expect some regression at some point coming up. Uh, However, as of right now, we look back at the last few years and he has been number one or number two uh, in terms of the best wide receivers in the whole league most years and that's just been really, really incredible. He's not over the hill yet, so I think you can get a few good years out of him still. At least decent ones at the very, very least, so I wouldn't worry at all. Their Teams are going to offer a first-round pick and more, in my opinion, for Antonio Brown, whether you agree with that or not. And uh, the team that I find the most interesting, because everyone thinks he's going to the 49ers, including me, and I think that that's going to happen, but... If he wasn't going to make that work, if there was another place you could go, the place that really interests me is the Indianapolis Colts. Mm -hmm. I could see... Can you imagine him with T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck back there in that O-line? And And, now Marlon Mack emerging. And and Indianapolis has the most salary cap room available of any team in the league. And there you go, too. So they can actually afford it. So I'm just... I think that the Colts are the most intriguing thing. Now, obviously, if the Steelers have their way, they'd rather trade him to the NFC all the way across the country that's the best for them but uh yeah I mean if the Colts put together something serious I would really look at it if I was the Colts you have all that salary cap space great point by you there and just it's just a perfect fit as far as I'm concerned and I think I don't know if Antonio Brown is a troublemaker because he was a fairly quiet guy for a lot of his years there I think
0: Yeah, but then and I think we talked about this last week you know there was the um being part of Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. being part of that masked singer. Mm-hmm. He obviously is trying to get his foot in the door in Hollywood for his, his next career. I think he's obviously got the personality and the, I don't know, whatever word, but chutzpah. I mean, he's got it. I mean, he's got that it factor. But I just think the last couple of years, I mean, I would think that a, I don't, I have all the respect in the world for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, and I think that they are one of the classiest organizations per none in all of professional sports. And it's because of this respect, and in my lifetime, it's except for Bill Austin at the very late 60s, in my lifetime it's been Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, and Mike Tomlin. Unbelievable stability that they've had. And you've never, again, not to sound repetitive, but you've never heard a lot of bitch gripes and complaints coming out of Pittsburgh. They seem to pay the players well. I mean, look at all the championships in the 70s that they won. I think it was five in the 70s, something like that. They have eight as an organization. Maybe it was five under Bradshaw, I think. Uh, But whatever. I know they have eight eight as an organization, eight Super Bowls. Um, I just... I think it would be pretty hard to rock the boat unless you were a bit of a shit disturber. And I think maybe, because we all know how good Pittsburgh's offense was a couple of years ago when Le'Veon Bill was there, when Antonio Brown was catching everything that Roethlisberger was throwing to him, and it was probably an awful lot of fun to play offense in Pittsburgh with what they called the killer bees. Bell, Ben, and Brown. But... I just, I don't know. This maybe goes back to what we've discussed a lot of times on this program is maybe Tomlin is part of the problem.
1: Well, everyone wants to blame Mike Tomlin, but I'm wondering if this might be some sort of a societal shift. I mean, are we ever going to see three coaches in 50 years, and that's it in an organization. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. And I think part of the reason might be because it's really tough for guys, you know, guys don't have necessarily that basic respect, or they're maybe not raised as well or whatever. But I mean, when, when you see all this happening at once, it just makes it feel like, uh, maybe it's tough to blame Mike Tomlin. Would another guy really have Kept them in line. And there's so many ways to keep a guy, you know, keep teams in line now. It's not like in the 60s, you just yell at the guys and the men respond and they have this basic discipline and respect. You know, here it's so tough. You have to basically like find what each one guy on the team, how they respond. Do you yell at them? Are you nice to them? Like what, what motivates each guy? And it's just a societal shift. And I don't know if we can just blame Mike Tomlin for this. I think we're going to see this a lot more where unrest happens. And with Antonio Brown, it's going to be a comfort zone thing as well. I think he needs a change of scenery here. I think he's too comfortable. Uh, The only thing I worry about is if he goes somewhere else, maybe he won't take it seriously enough he won't be able to kind of buckle down and and put his nose to the grindstone again but I I think he uh he's worth a shot I think he still has some talent and it's just interesting that that and Bell and everything happened at the same time I would give Antonio Brown another chance and see what's going on there but yeah I don't know I think it's just something we're not going to see anymore it's not as simple as just yelling at guys keeping him in line for 50 years with three coaches I think that that's just uh gone the way of the dodo bird
0: no question um A lot of things to talk about on this 307th episode of Unscripted. And I think we've just begun to hear about if there is some dysfunction in Pittsburgh. I think it's just the beginning because I think as now we're in that lull period before the start of the NFL season. And of course, what three weeks it's early March. And, um, I think that's when the fun's really going to get started here. Um, National Hockey League is where I want to go next, and um, I wanted to ask, I thought that um, I, I saw the game the other night, or bits. maybe it was just in the highlight packages, but the thing that I saw a lot was the um, involving Evgeny Malkin of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and his really kind of a, well, it was obviously a retaliatory strike, but I think that that deserved, he got a one game suspension for that. Um, but I'm, I'm of the belief that I think that that warranted a little bit more. I think that, um, I think that deserved multiple games, maybe just two, but that's multiple games, even for a math major like me. I think there needed to be a bigger message sitting there because I've seen that video now. I don't know how many times. And it, and if Melkin had been on the street Somebody would have been really been in trouble. I mean, somebody would have gotten their ass kicked on the street because I know that Melkin doesn't always look like he's the biggest guy on the ice, but I imagine compared you put him out in regular, you know, streets in a regular city and he's going to be the biggest guy in the neighborhood. Um, And the way he looked, he looked like he had one of those psychotic kind of looks on him, like, you know, if I was in the movie Psycho, I'd be the headliner kind of thing. Um, I think that this this, uh, penalty deserved more than one game, and I'd be interested on your thoughts about that as well. And before, I know you're looking up something for me right now, so I'll hit you with a second one from the National Hockey League. Last night I had the pleasure of watching the Tampa Bay Lightning for 60 minutes. And let me tell you, folks, I have no question in my mind, after seeing that, that they are the number one team in the National Hockey League, and I think it would be a quite a huge surprise, at the very least, if the... Unless there's a bunch of injuries, I get that, or something happens, uh, an act of God down in central Florida, but I would be unbelievably surprised if, at the very least, the Lightning aren't in the Stanley Cup final representing the Eastern Conference. They kicked the shit out of the Calgary Flames, and at the All-Star break, folks... The Calgary Calgary Flames fans, because I live in the house of one of them, were talking big shit about, we're only five points behind Tampa Bay. At the All-Star break, that was true. 76 points to 71. But since then, things have gone opposite ways for both clubs, and I'm telling you folks, Tampa Bay looks loaded. And my point about the Flames is, I don't think there's any question now they're going to make the playoffs. I think we can resign ourselves to that fact. But for our friends down on Olympic Way, if they have any dreams of making a deep playoff run in the Western Conference, they have got to do something before the February 25th trade deadline to solidify their goalie situation. Their goalie situation sucks. I think David Riddick has been a bit of a mirage. He's really feasted on some second-tier talent in this marvelous run the Flames have been on since Christmas and mike but mike smith they have no confidence at all in mike smith after star spangled banner and o canada gets done playing as part of the introductions at the beginning of the games before the players are even got have even broken a sweat if if smith is in the net the flames are down to nothing so i want chris to talk to me about the suspension on melkin the calgary flames goaltending situation and how good really and how really good are the Tampa Bay Lightning
1: yeah well you know what I was doing there is I'd heard about the Malkin suspension and I just hadn't watched it and so I decided to watch it right now and I see what he did there and he was clearly frustrated I think they they take so much into account a guy's general character his reputation his past transgressions and Malkin is hardly uh, a goon of any kind, right Not here. Not saying he is. No, he looked like
0: a psycho, though. In my in my opinion, he looked like a psycho, and it looked to me like he was winding up to do some
1: damage. Oh, he And was. I
0: think that that to me should have warranted a multiple game suspension.
1: Well, if Brad Marchand does that, he's gone for about, he's he's getting getting 20 games. Great point. Well done, (laughs) sir. In fairness, but they, uh, you know, past results uh, might be the number one thing the NHL looks at. I mean, they are all about what's happened in the past of this guy. If it's a first time offense for you, I mean, you can do, you know, some pretty uh, aggressive stuff and not really get too much of a suspension if you have no prior track record of anything like that. So... I understand. I would I would have a hard time being a hockey player and especially a lacrosse player. I couldn't I couldn't do it at the professional level certainly because the just the cheap shots and like in lacrosse slashing's legal. I mean it's right ridiculous. right I can't I couldn't do it. Like I would just be running around just trying to trying to hurt people. Like I'd just be swinging for their head cuz I'd be so annoyed and frustrated and angry like I just I can't handle cheap shots like that death by a million paper cuts so yeah I just wouldn't enjoy that at all so I can understand how that would be frustrating sometimes I like that the NHL's gotten rid of a lot of the hooking and holding and and cheap shots and all that so that's a great thing but I don't know I for Melkin I'm not going to complain too much I don't see if this becomes a pattern that's different but if this is a total one-off I, I'm fine with the game for that, even though he did take... Uh, that's a two-hander, and he went as hard as he could on that yeah. for sure, In terms of the Calgary Flames goaltending situation, I think it's totally irresponsible that if you're going to have this kind of a record and you're going to commit to winning here, I think you need to do your due diligence and try to bring in a better backup. If you can get the Mike Smith of a few years ago, that's great. But since you don't have that option, then I would say that uh, they should be getting a little bit more serious here. They say with, uh, with greatness comes great responsibility. And I think they need to get a little more serious about their goaltending situation because relying on some formerly unheard of dude, unheralded rookie pretty much, I just don't see that being a very good strategy for success. I expect that to fall apart in the playoffs, absolutely. And I certainly, if they even did make it to the finals, I would expect Tampa to wipe the floor with them because Tampa is the real deal. They're waltzing their way, moseying, strutting their way to the president's trophy. I think they're going to do the same thing to the cup. Uh, you have to imagine there's going to be maybe one series where someone does well against them before ultimately losing. But I absolutely expect the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup. I think they're too good and they're just demolishing teams. They're now 14 points ahead of the Calgary Flames yeah. in the in the uh, overall standings. And uh, yeah, Tampa all the way. I don't even know who my second choice would be.
0: Vegas Golden Knights, baby. Well, uh, well, oh, I'll, che- well
1: I'm, I'll be cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'm glad they got it turned around after a crappy start to the season, and everyone's saying, oh, now here comes the real expansion team. But no, they've been great again. But uh, no, Tampa Bay is is the real deal. But yeah, geez, if they have to beat somebody in the finals, hey, might as well be Vegas and yeah, send Vegas back to the finals again. Why not? Sounds great to me.
0: National Basketball Association is where we're going next here in episode number 307 of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. And uh, last Thursday, last Thursday morning, they got LeBron and and Giannis Antetokounmpo up early to draft their respective teams for the playing of this weekend's All-Star Game in Charlotte, North Carolina. Team LeBron versus Team Giannis. Team Giannis, uh, LeBron had the first overall pick. Um, he uh, selected uh, Kevin Durant number one. Ante Toumbo selected Steph Curry number one. I got a kick out of the uh, the second pick that uh, LeBron made, which surprisingly enough was a guy by the name of Anthony Davis of the New Orleans Pelicans. And it was funny because the uh, Ernie Johnson was kind of the MC of the event, and Ernie Johnson says, "You really want to play with this guy, don't you?" And LeBron says, absolutely, I do. And then all of a sudden, via video from Milwaukee, Giannis chimes in and says, hey, isn't that tampering? Um, Giannis is a, is, seems to have a hell of a great attitude, and it probably is. Well, your, your attitude is going to be pretty good if you're making over $100 million at age 23. But uh, very Europeanish kind of team that I saw from Team Giannis. Uh, the guy from Dallas, Luka Doncic, is on the team. A bunch of international talent is on the, and obviously, Ante Tocumbo is going to be more familiar with the European players. Um, it was funny that uh, LeBron picked guys that, seemingly to me, he ultimately someday wants in LA, whether he's going to be there as a player or potential owner someday, whatever it may be. But he gets uh, he got he, he made a trade, got Ben Simmons. Um, obviously got Anthony Davis. He ended up with Paul George. I mean, it was just, it really looked like team Europe against the team that LeBron would envision to have someday working with him in Los Angeles, but it should be a very interesting all-star game. Realistically, I don't know if I'll watch it. I can guarantee you one thing though. I always do enjoy watching the skills competition on Saturday night. The, uh, the, the dribbling around and the that kind of stuff, and then the three-point shot, but especially, obviously, the dunk competition. The game, eh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm not that big on the
1: game. No, the game sucks. It's dumb. They just don't play defense at all. They don't even pretend, and it's just silliness, honestly. You might as well just watch them hang out at the, uh, at the I don't know, You know, at the what do you call them? At the the park, I guess. Whatever. (laughs) At the bar. Yeah, so stupid. (laughs) Anyway, but no, everyone. I hate. I mean, maybe in all all star games, I'd say probably the two most famous events are the dunk contest and the three point shooting contest, rivaled only probably by the home run derby. derby, That'd be the only other one. But I'd way rather watch the three pointers or the dunks uh, than the home runs. In fairness, home runs are pretty repetitive, to be honest. Right. So no.
0: the home runs are repetitive, no question, but you're hitting them off of a batting, batting practice pitcher. So you're not seeing a curveball, ball. You're seeing a big old meat pitch up there and the guys that are knocking at nine miles and you see the same thing three, four, 10, 20 times.
1: Enough's enough. Well, it's funny. that It, it reminds me of that time on the Simpsons, they had Mark McGuire and Sammy <laughs> yeah. Sosa and all that. I don't know if you ever saw that. And, yeah. and uh, they're asking him like, hey, what's going on about the drugs or whatever? And, and uh, are you going to answer questions about that stuff? and mcguire someone the animated one is like well we could do that or you could watch us hit a bunch of dingers where's you other and then the crowd dingers ding yeah i remember absolutely i remember absolutely <laughs> yeah that's classic but yeah i i i enjoy the dunk contest and even the three-point shooting for sure i'm hoping steph curry enters the three he point is game. and
0: his brother him and his brother both are in oh it wow. should be interesting and Uh, Steph Curry kind of acts as master of ceremonies this weekend because it's in his hometown of Charlotte. Um, Should be very interesting in that regard. But like Chris said, and I've said, the game itself, eh, probably not. No what i'll the watch the starting lineup maybe i'll watch the starting lineup that's always interesting
1: i want to see a dunk i've never seen before that's what i want to see that that's what people watch for people want to see the next you know whether it's jordan versus dominique wilkins in 1988 like we talked about last year or vince carter in 2000, 2000 very good right yeah, in, i mean those are the famous at, ones at
0: golden state when he jumped over tracy mcgrady that was pretty freaking
1: yeah good. and then or you think about some of the most famous dunks ever i just off the top of my head i'm thinking back to when i was a kid. Uh, Isaiah Ryder coming out of the baseline there oh and put, putting under the, you know, <laughs> under the leg and so many versions of that, including one of Vince Carter's was was a version of that one. Harold Miner with his like touch the touch the heels. You're
0: absolutely right. But I, I have an inside story about Isaiah J.R. Ryder, mm-hmm. UNLV grad. Okay. Not one of our proudest. Okay. I mean, I think right now the best alumni from UNLV is probably Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. <laughs> I mean, realistically, I mean... Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, we don't have a bunch of old scholars rolling off a of Maryland Parkway in Vegas. But I can tell you for damn sure that there was one name that was never on the Dean's list at UNLV, and that was Isaiah J.R. Ryder. And the joke around Vegas was, is that the reason he had to go to J.R. Ryder because he was too stupid to spell Isaiah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yikes. That's a good one. I remember... like. My buddy, my next door neighbor back home, had a basketball net on the driveway, and he could. It was one of those you could lower it, right? And so we would just lower it way down, and everyone wanted to do the Isaiah Rider, like come out and under the leg and jam it over, and and of course, yeah, like I was saying, the Vince Carter one, the one that he did was where he gets the guy that bounced the ball, he jumps up and does a version of that in there. That was one of his famous dunks from that. But everyone wants to watch and see that. Someone wants to see a dunk they've never seen before you can go on youtube and there are totally unheard of guys that are doing crazy things that no one's ever done at the nba level even in terms of pure stylistic dunks so uh, that, that's what the uh, game could really use I think if you want to get eyeballs on the product they should really be hyping the dunk contest a lot more and I hope there's some guys who have some cool stuff planned because it's been a while since a really legendary dunk contest happened whether it was because the two guys were good or because one guy was dominant like Vince Carter was the one year but that's a great thing to see and that's a lot of fun so I, I maybe I'll give the dunk contest a chance here and the three pointers and maybe uh, maybe we'll see something interesting.
0: It was funny, you know, we've talked many times and I got a kick out of this and it just came to my head. Um, today is Wednesday night. I think this was, I think this was Sunday. This was Sunday when the Sixers hosted the the um, Lakers, LeBron and the Lakers on Sunday. And those classy Philadelphia fans hmm. are screaming and chanting as LeBron is sitting on one end of the court. He's Kobe's better, you know, and Kobe's from Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and uh, just classy, just classy. I love Philly fans. Kobe's better.
1: No, he's not. Why is he, why did his parents name him Kobe? I have no idea. Because there is a Kobe Steakhouse in Philadelphia that they like to go to, and obviously uh, you would imagine they would serve Kobe beef, but that is, uh, that's why they named him Kobe. I'll
0: be damned. Yeah. Hmm. One of the best steaks I ever had in my life was a Kobe steak in
1: Tokyo. You had an actual Kobe steak in Tokyo. Kobe beef, like they literally massage the cows. I mean, that is the best. What is it? Like quintuple A or whatever? Like it's the best beef in the world. It is. It's true Kobe
0: beef. And not one stitch of fat. mm. Just a pure piece of meat. Obviously, that was... Oh, well... 2018 that was 30 years ago and i remember it like it was yesterday oh that's... on the ginza it was an experience yeah yeah and uh, i was fortunate enough to have won a nco award military award and uh, i was taken to this tokyo restaurant from yakota air base which is in tokyo
1: and uh,
0: that was unbelievable
1: that probably is the best steak that should be the best steak you've ever had ever, ab- absolutely yeah
0: alberta beef doesn't quite doesn't quite, uh, no. Doesn't...
1: We we had an interesting experience. Me and some friends were in Los Angeles and we, we were at a restaurant and uh, I think we were ordering steaks and one of the guys just kind of as a joke said, um, oh, you got any Alberta beef here? And we didn't know that our server was a lifelong, like, born-and-raised cattle rancher who knew every single thing there is to know about beef, period. And he was... And he schooled us hard (laughs) on, like, okay, so... Alberta beef's okay, but it's like down here, kind of above that would be like. And he was from Texas, like it's like you know, like Texas beef, and this is why it's better because of this and this. And you know, the weather's warmer and less, you know, different marbling and everything. And then at the very top is Kobe beef, which is the best you can do. And they massage it, goes and he just like told us in detail, This is the way it is. Sorry, guys, you know, and it was a waiter in in LA, yeah, 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 Texas. A, like a a Texas got beef. Texas Rednecks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Serving serving beef in Los Angeles. Yeah,
1: that was interesting. They like got a nice restaurant too. Only like, in America, maybe. Yeah, it was interesting.
0: Um we've got to run
1: on this uh,
0: 307th episode of Unscripted. See, if you are just familiarizing yourselves with Unscripted with Mike and Chris here in our 308th episode, we try to stay kind of, you know, on matter sometimes but it has a real tendency to go any which way. So it's always a lot of fun. We enjoy doing it and hope that you enjoy it as well. And we aren't married to having to talk about sports. It's both of ours preference, I suppose, but I think we're capable enough to expand. We've we we we've gone to Tokyo in the last five minutes and ended up in LA with a guy from Texas. So we're doing okay. Got to run on this 308th episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, Hope that you continue to enjoy it as well at at the nine different social media avenues that Chris has worked so hard to provide for all of you so you can become a part of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.